the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 100-228. The following program is sponsored Incorated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And what is that world? It's the world that hated Christ, and it's the world that hates those who look like him. And when you're up against that hatred, there is the sweet and strengthening ministry of the Holy Spirit. Adrian Rogers said it well, when Christians realize they're inhabited, they will be less inhibited. does being filled with the Holy Spirit change the way we live? That's our subject today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and Philip's continuing our study of 2 Timothy with a message titled, Keeping the Faith. When persecution hits, whether mere social pressure or outright violence, we need to prepare our families and ourselves in advance. How can we find the strength to hold fast to our faith? Let's join Philip now as he unpacks the vital secret to enduring persecution as spirit-filled people. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy. This is the Apostle Paul's last letter. This is his second imprisonment. And so he writes to a young man in the ministry, his protege, his apprentice in the ministry. And he wants to know that as he hands off the baton, as he watches his departure and Timothy's remaining, that Timothy will be faithful to the charge of guarding the gospel and sharing the gospel, and living the gospel. And he wants them to do it without apology. Really, that message comes out, especially in the passage we're about to look at, verses 8 through 18. That's one of the key words. Don't be ashamed. This is Paul's concern as he writes to Timothy, his protege. Here's how you keep the faith. Here's what it looks like. Number one, gospel commitment is a matter of suffering. If you're committed to the gospel, then you'll take some arrows for Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Now listen to this, guys. If you're saved, if you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation, you know the regenerating, enlivening work of the Holy Spirit. Know this. Nobody gets to go to heaven unscarred and unscathed. Paul will say in this very letter, it is through much tribulation that we enter the kingdom. And by the way, there are two kinds of suffering in this world. And you need to make this distinction. Because in this context, we've got gospel suffering. Come and join me. Come and share. Come and play your part in suffering for the gospel. There's general suffering, and there is gospel suffering. 
Now, the first is related to the fall, and the first is experienced by everybody. The fall brought death, environmental judgment. Life became harder than it needed to be. And so under that thought, we're dealing with natural disasters. We're dealing with illness. We're dealing with man's inhumanity to man. That's general suffering. And your unsaved neighbor experiences that just as much as you do. And even though you're in Christ, you encounter that as much as he does. But then there's gospel suffering. There's the suffering that you and I experience for the cause of Jesus Christ. Peter talks about this being suffering for doing right. We're not to suffer for doing wrong. We're to suffer for doing right in the eyes of God that often puts us on the wrong side of things with man. Read about it in 1 Peter 2, 20 and 1 Peter 3, 17. So there's general suffering and there's gospel suffering. And in this context, Paul is encouraging Timothy to come join him in gospel suffering. But guys, I'd say this, even within gospel suffering, there are two kinds. There's what you might call soft persecution and hard persecution. Our brothers in the East are facing hard persecution. They're being beheaded. They're being burned. They're being imprisoned. They're being drowned. They're being kicked out of their houses. They're being made to pay taxes against their will. It's being sanctioned by Islamic governments and by radical Islam through ISIS in many cases. We're seeing things turn sour and cold across Russia, where preaching licenses are being removed, and it's harder for, indeed, missionaries to find themselves getting into the country. There's the hard persecution, and there's the soft persecution. This is the kind of persecution we're going to face, at least at the moment, in the United States, you know? The mockery, the name-calling, the scapegoating. You face it in your family, depending on the tradition you come from you've come to Christ and you're not a radical follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and perhaps you've left a traditional religion that usually marks your culture or your family and you're taking the heat for it. You know what? You're not included in the discussions at work. You're a young man at a university campus or at a high school in our community. You know what? You're often left out of the conversation or you can tell by the facial expression as someone goes by you, yeah, you're one of those Jesus freaks. You know what? He's not very tolerant, doesn't embrace gay marriage and transgender politics. These people are dangerous, <laughs> you know? That's where we're at. And you and I need to man up and realize, hey, par for the course. Are you surprised? Shouldn't be, because Jesus promised us a safe landing, but not a smooth crossing. Go with me for a moment. Go to Matthew 5, verse 10. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the marks of those who belong to God's kingdom. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you are reviled and persecuted, and they will say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Then skip over to the upper room discourse. We're on the eve of Jesus' death and departure, and his disciples are heartbroken at the thought he's going to leave them, but he comforts them by the thought of the coming helper. But he does lay down this piece of reality. Guys, I need you to know, John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, parenthesis, and it will, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Guys, 
just comes to mind. Erwin Lutzer wrote a really good book on calling. It was called Jesus Among the Gods. And then he makes this argument, if the world loves Jesus, it's because they don't know him. The less they know about him, the more they like him. But the more they get to know him, the less they like him. The virgin born, son of God, only savior, who demands complete allegiance, who will come to destroy every rival that fights his glory. Mm. If the world hates you, know that they hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. You remember when you were unsaved and part of the boys? Then you got saved and you were out. You don't belong anymore. Just a fact. If you're of the world, they'd like you. But because you're not of the world, and I've chosen to be out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, that a servant is not greater than his master. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus, nor me, his prisoner, Timothy. Because suffering's par for the course. One other verse might be Philippians 1, verse 29. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. The word granted there is a word that carries the idea of grace. God has graced you with salvation, and then he's going to grace you with suffering on behalf of the one who suffered for you. That's just where we're at. This is the truth that comes from God that's as relevant today as this morning's newspaper headlines. It is awakening us in this contemporary age to play our part in the suffering to come alongside our brothers who are facing the hard suffering, support ministries like Voice of the Martyrs or other ministries that are helping the persecuted church. That's our job. We're not to be ashamed of his prisoners. And then as we face soft suffering, that we're unashamed in this day that wants to shame us of our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's begin to look at how Paul encourages young Timothy. Remember who has a tendency to timidity. How can we embolden Timothy? And how can we shore up our own resolve to be faithful ministers of the gospel? Number one, what I call a certain companionship. Look at verse 8. And look at how it begins. Therefore, when you come across a therefore, stop and ask yourself what it's there for. Because it's connecting you to a preceding thought. In the light of what has just been said, therefore, what has just been said in verse 7? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Therefore, therefore, in the light of that, so don't be ashamed because there's power available to you. There's strength available to you. There's mercy for this kind of ministry that includes suffering. Look at verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according, what? To the power of God. It would seem, by the way, if you scroll down to verse 14, that this power comes through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Look what we read. Speaking of the gospel deposit, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. There is a minister for the minister. And the Holy Spirit enables his servants to be fiery evangelists, to be true pastors, to be good fathers, and to be courageous men for the sake of the gospel. Got to love it, right? Paul's saying, Timothy, I want you to be unashamed. But this isn't going to be a matter of human resolve. This is going to be a matter of divine resource. 
What about Acts 1 verse 8? It says to the early church, the Lord Jesus, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit with power and you'll be my witnesses. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And what is that world? It's the world that hated Christ and it's the world that hates those who look like him. And when you're up against that hatred, soft or hard, in your face or behind your back, there is the sweet ministry and the strengthening ministry of the Holy Spirit. Guys, look, John starts right. We're maybe not as strong as we think we are. And any one of us can be tempted to bend and blow like a reed in the wind when the heat's on. Maybe in your own mind, like I have, I've played out the scenarios. I've read books on present and past martyrs. And I get a cold chill and I go, hey, I don't think I'm up for that. I'm not sure that's me. I can wax eloquent in the air-conditioned sanctuary of kindred community church and I'm sitting in front of men who respect me and honor me by their presence and pray for me. But it would be another thing to do it all in the face of the teeth of opposition. When I get unsettled and unnerved, but I need to remind myself, but hold on a minute. There's power made available to us when we need it through the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is reminding Timothy. Adrian Rogers said it well. He said this, when Christians realize they're inhabited, they will be less inhibited. Verse 14, keep the gospel by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Paul's point exactly. And that's the message of the upper room discourse, by the way, isn't it? We've read John 15, verses 18 through 20, and Jesus said, hey, the world's going to hit you. It hated me. Remember that the servant's not greater than the master. And so in the light of the world's hostility, Jesus promised them heaven's help. He says in John 14, he says in verse 16, these words to comfort his fledgling disciples and their encouragement to them and to us. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, but will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Guys, I'm going, but I'm coming. Well, Lord, are you coming or going? Well, I'm going. But I'm coming. In the future, I'm coming. Going to the Father's house. And then I'm going to come and get you, receive you unto myself, and take you to the Father's house. I'm coming in the future. But I'm also coming again in the present at Pentecost. I'm coming in the future at the rapture. That's physical. That's visible. I'm coming at Pentecost through the Spirit. That's present. And that's spiritual. And that's inward. And invisible. And guys, the Spirit of God who is the Spirit of Christ, will take up residence in you, and you will be emboldened and helped. In fact, that's the name the Spirit's given. If you look at this upper room discourse, both in those verses and in other verses, like chapter 16 and verse 7, he's called the helper. A Greek word, parakletos, it's a compound word, to come alongside. To come alongside. It's a beautiful word. It was a delight to see one of our young fathers bring his son. I see young boys sitting on their father's knees this morning. Praise the Lord. You've got this image. Your boy, your son, starts to ride a bike. And you got the training wheels to save his life. And then after a while, you see he's getting a little bit of a balance. 
and you're ready to take those off and put his life on the line. But he's still a little nervous. He thinks he's got it. I remember my own father kind of running alongside me with his kind of hand under the saddle. I like the thing. That's a wonderful picture of what the Holy Spirit's in. He's coming alongside. It's the seventh Calvary coming over the hill to rescue the beleaguered cowboys. Whatever image you've got, it's coming alongside to infuse enthusiasm, to give guidance, to bring encouragement, to say, we can do this. And that's what we've got in the Holy Spirit. Guys, just one verse alongside that. Romans 8 verse 11 says this, If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Here's how Phillips translates that phrase, shall quicken your mortal bodies. Here's how he translates it. He will bring to your whole being new strength and vitality. There is strength for the suffering. That's the point. There is a certain companionship where you and I can suffer for the gospel according to the power of God. We've got the blessed ministry of the Spirit of God from within. The sweet comforter, the helpful helper, the minister to the minister who has come to invigorate us. He helps us to be heard in our praying because he intercedes according to Romans 8. He helps us to be effective in our serving because he gives us gifts and enablements for service, 1 Corinthians 12. He helps us to be secure in our circumstances because he has sealed us until the day of redemption, Ephesians 1. And he helps us to be bold in our witness through his filling, read Acts 2. So there is strength for the suffering. In fact, speaking of this very verse here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, speaking of that phrase, he has given us a spirit of power. Here is a power even for weaklings. Are you afraid that you will not be able to live the Christian life? The answer is, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that worketh in you both to do his good will. The fear and trembling remain That is partly our temperament, but you are able to work by the power that works in you both to will and to do. In fact, he goes on to say this. That is one of the most glorious things in the long history of the church, and it's still happening today. I never tire of telling Christians to read the stories of martyrs and confessors and the Protestant fathers or the Puritans or the Covenanters. Read their stories, and you will find not only strong, courageous men, you will find weak women and girls, even little children, dying gloriously for Christ's sake. Hi, explain it because they suffered for the gospel according to the power of God through the spirit that dwells within them. As we wrap up, let me tell you a story that proves this from church history. Boy, Jones is right, and I've quoted it. I talked about my own reading of that earlier and being challenged by it and a little frightened by it, but then also stirred by it. He's one of the lesser lights of the English Reformation. His name is Thomas Bilney. Little Bilney, he's called. And he was arrested by Bloody Mary, Among many of the Protestant martyrs of that era, he would die. If you read his story, he's imprisoned, and he's visited by some friends who are struck by how cheerful he is. In fact, he has just eaten a very kind of meager meal with some steel eel. But the man who looks at him says he's filled with joy. 
And he said to him, in fact, I'm surprised that you eat so cheerfully. I mean, he was going to face the flames of a burning in the morning. And as his friends sat down beside him, one of them said to him, tomorrow the fire will make you feel its devouring fierceness, but the comfort of God's Holy Spirit will cool it with everlasting refreshing. At this point, Thomas Bilney takes his index finger and he holds it over a candle and he burns it to the bone. And here's what he says. I feel that fire by God's ordinance is naturally hot, but yet I am persuaded by God's holy word and the experience of the martyrs that when the flames consume me, I shall not feel them. Howsoever this stubble of my body shall be wasted by it, a pain for the time is followed by joy unspeakable. Then he withdrew his finger, the first joint burned to the bone, and added, he has said, when you walk through the fire, it shall not burn you. And when you wade through the river, it shall not overwhelm you. Guys, that's the comforting ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he indwells us. And as you and I listen to his word and walk in fellowship with him and in the company of those who also are indwelt by him, we can be invigorated to step up to the plate. And though the skies darken and the times change and the ranks of the enemy swell, we're not going to be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, nor his gospel, nor those who preach his gospel. We're going to keep the faith. Amen? Lord, help us to embrace the general suffering that we encounter with the rest of mankind, but more than anything, help us to embrace gospel suffering. We love your Son. We see his baptism in the cross. He said to John and James, you're not going to be able to drink what I'm going to drink. We see that suffering unique, separated from God for our sin. But as we suffer for him, in a world that continues to hate him and his gospel. Give us the strength. We read that in the Garden of Gethsemane, the angels came and strengthened him. We pray for the strengthening ministry of the Holy Spirit. We pray, as one man said to D.L. Moody one day, young man, honor the Holy Spirit. Help us not to grieve him. Help us not to quench him. Help us to walk in the Spirit, to be in the Word he wrote, and to be filled by him so that indeed we might fill up the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. May we indeed find ourselves prepared for persecution and ready to endure suffering for the sake of the gospel. You're listening to Know the Truth in a message from Philip DeCourcy titled, Keeping the Faith. Today's message is part of our series titled Without Apology, and with such a wealth of biblical truths from men, women, and families, this series would be ideal for a small group Bible study. Purchase the Without Apology series on CD when you visit ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. We'd welcome your generous donations to Know the Truth. We're completely listener-supported, and today when you give, Philip wants to send you a resource that ties right in with our current series. It's a book by his friend, author Steve Farrar, and it's titled Anchorman. Written with fathers, husbands, and future fathers in mind, Anchorman helps men lay a foundation of faith for their sons and daughters to last for generations. Farrar has made an impression on a lot of pastors, including Chuck Swindoll, who said of him, His enthusiasm is contagious, and his dynamic communication style encourages all who hear him. 
Give today and ask for your copy of Steve Farrar's Anchorman when you donate online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. Now you can also send your donation and book request by mail. Write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And remember, when you give to Know the Truth, you're making it possible for us to reach more men and women all across America. It's been our mission to let God's truth change lives, and that's why we're committed to creating and delivering the daily Bible teaching of Philip DeCourcy. When you give today, ask for your copy of Anchorman by Steve Farrar. So glad you joined us today. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Be sure to come back tomorrow for another edition of Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. University, we train champions for Christ. We don't just train exceptional CEOs, therapists, and pilots. We train exceptional professionals in hundreds of fields who want to impact the world for Christ. Learn how our students are following God's call and how you can train as a champion for Christ online or on campus at liberty.edu slash champions. Again, that's liberty.edu slash champions. When I started teaching an ethics class in 1994, I spent the first third of the semester convincing students it was worth taking. Now the class size has quadrupled. Hi, this is Lon Solomon, and these are the words of GW University professor Timothy Ford. So what is going on in our world? Well, what's going on is that people are just being people. The Bible tells us it's because we're all born with a sin nature, which places us under the judgment and the condemnation of a holy God. Ah, but there's... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.